Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hello, beautiful people. Today we are going to revisit Bethel Church and more specifically, this hot mess of a disaster sermon from Chris Valentin, which I'll warn you, is transphobic, homophobic, and victim blames those in the Me Too movement. All the way till a brave soul shouts from the congregation. Oh, it is a wild one. (laughs) My computer blew up. And to call out the myriad of problems in this sermon, I have the wonderful blare of talk purity to me. We are drinking mimosas, wearing PJs, we're having a little Saturday hang just to make a little light of, like I said, this hot frankly painful mess of a sermon. So Blair, I sent you this video. What did you think about it? Just give us an overview and like a sentence. It hurt honestly just watching it. There was like a a tense reaction in my body hearing what he was saying. And I'll have you all know that I condensed this message down to 19 minutes, but this overall service went on for two hours and 56 minutes. There was a one hour and 36 minute worship portion, and then Chris Valentin meanders through a conspiratorial, disorganized, one hour and 20 minute long hot mess where he actually fries his iPad in a cup of water. (laughs) My computer blew up. Before we dive into this mess, I, as always, want to promote the wonderful brand Thanks. Blair, what kind of experience did you have when first getting your period and trying to manage the mess of it? Well, I was a dancer for a really long time, which included, you know, leotards and tights multiple times a week. And I was always like so self-conscious of, you know, like what if something happened in the middle of a dance class? And, you know, I was totally unprepared in terms of knowing how to handle that. We definitely didn't have things back then, so. I had the same experience. I was always so, so afraid, especially before I got my period, that I was gonna bleed through my pants and humiliate myself at school. So no matter what your age, I think that concern remains. And I've found things so empowering. I feel so clean and fresh. I feel like I'm having an elevated adult period experience where I'm actually owning what's happening to my body. So if that interests you, please click my offer code below. So Blair, let's dive into this freaking church service. And Lord- 
Lord, I pray that your anointing would rest on us as we interact tonight. That there would be, there would be a spirit of courage on people tonight. <laughs> the only thing I want to point out about that prayer for courage is that I feel like it worked later on in the sermon when that courageous person stands up against bigotry. And as always, I am only presenting this call out specifically for Bethel because I do believe people are capable of change. And this is really the intention that I have with this. We wanted to inform you about three distressing pieces of legislation that are being considered by the state of California. This could feel like a very polarizing move. It's like, well, you guys are you know, becoming you know, conservative advocates for it. And I'm like, mm, no, we're just making sure that we love our city and we love our state, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, like, help our city, and, and it's kind of like, we don't want to, like, you know, be, be, you know, run to a fire at the barn and have the a bank burn down. Blair, would you mind telling me what he just said? <laughs> this is the problem when you get politics in church. They're being told that Chris Vallotton is speaking for God and, like, knows what God wants, and he's saying these things are bad. I mean, they're not really allowing people to make their own decisions or have their own thoughts about this or even think critically about it. It's so manipulative to talk about legislation from the pulpit because this is someone that you admire as a voice of God. A lot of times we even conflate our pastor's voice with the voice of God. So you have this representative of Jesus standing there saying, this is distressing. Like, this is a call to action. You need to do something, a.k.a. you need to vote. This one is a proposal to ban all mental health providers from efforts to influence sexual orientation for anyone under the guardianship, including changing behaviors or gender expression or reducing same-sex attraction. What comes up for me when he's talking about this bill is that conversion therapy has been proven to be harmful for any LGBTQ people that have suffered through it. So it's become illegal to actually do that. But again, skirting around legalities, Bethel has a movement called Changed. This is spearheaded by two, quote, same-sex attracted people, including Elizabeth Woning, who I actually interviewed. And although Elizabeth Woning herself explains it as a support group, Basically, Chris is expressing fear about this legislation because it would make something like that even illegal. I think that the reason why Bethel doesn't have an actual, you know, gay conversion program is that they know that would be way too controversial. So what they do is they use the change movement. The jury is in on that. We know exactly what happens with gay conversion programs, I mean, if it, if it doesn't cause people to, you know, take their own lives, it has tremendous psychological and even physical, you know, emotional, spiritual consequences for people who go through those. I love that you brought that up too, Blair, because Chris starts this sermon off saying, we are worried about our children. This is why we don't want these, these three points of legislation to pass. And yet, to your point, it is the conversion therapy, it is the repression of people's sexuality that is the harmful thing. Like, you at Bethel are the ones causing harm to children, not the other way around. The next bill is AB 2943, which is a proposal to ban the sale of resources or services concerning efforts, including ministries, to reduce same-sex attraction 
or gender dysphobia. Dysphobia. <laughs> a little Freudian slip. <laughs> and by the way, that would make the Moral Revolution book illegal to sell in California. If you're going to say something is bad, at least know what you're talking about. At least use the right terminology. Okay, and then quickly on the Moral Revolution, this is a book that I would actually like to get my hands on. I hate when I want to read a book to dissect it, but I don't want to pay to get it because uh, I don't want to support it. But I looked at the Moral Revolution website and Instagram. It says, Moral Revolution, love, sex, wholeness, freedom. In a generation overwhelmed by conflicting messages about love, lust, and relationships, Moral Revolution is a company of radicals helping to define healthy sexuality, which all sounds phenomenal and is exactly what Blair and I are doing on our platforms. But you'll find if you dive into this website, it's very anti-LGBTQ, a lot about repressing your sexuality, a lot about purity culture. I'm not seeing the wholeness and freedom represented in this organization. They try to make it seem like they're sex positive, but when you look at the core of it, it's the same thing that your, you know, Southern Baptist pastor would say, but they just put like a glossy finish over it. And the last one, AB um, 2119, the proposal is to mandate, mandate, mandate any <laughs> child. Okay, I'm sorry again, Chris Valentin and your Freudian slips. Mandate any child in foster care expressing gender identity issues must only be provided counseling and medical services that affirm the gender identity that the child believes that they have. Um, these, uh, these bills, are, they're not just pro-gay. They are anti-religion. They are anti anti-freedom of speech, and anti-God. Do I sense the persecution complex? Blair. So, so heavy. That's what I saw from the beginning of this whole thing. I mean, it's very obvious that he is trying to send this message to his congregation that their values and their religion is under attack. And I remember getting messages like that too. I mean, I'm very familiar with that feeling of, like, oh, you know, any day now, the government's going to storm our church, and then, you know, we won't be able to worship all together anymore. I mean, that's very clearly not, not what's happening here, but he is trying to, you know, gear people up to, to think that way. We're not mad at any people. Let's keep in mind that our battle is not against flesh and blood. I, I can't think of any other, you know, scenario where people try to stop children from, like, developing into the person they're supposed to be. I mean, whenever a kid talks about what they want to be when they grow up, it's like people are, you know, generally very affirming of those things, but it's like just in this one area, just like total fear box where they just can't even fathom that there could be consequences to what they're doing to people. So why don't you run that video? Congratulations, it's a boy. Or, congratulations, it's a girl. As a pediatrician for nearly 20 years, that's how many of my patient relationships began. Her bodies declare our sex. Biological sex is not assigned. Sex is determined at conception by our DNA, stamped into every cell of our bodies. Hormones and surgery cannot and do not change this. An identity is not biological, it is psychological. Identity has to do with thinking and feeling. If I walk into my doctor's office today and say, Hi, I'm Margaret Thatcher. My physician will say I am delusional and give me an antipsychotic. However, if instead I walked in and said, I am a man, 
he would say, congratulations, you're transgender. This is such a false equivalency. And to bring in someone, I mean, we don't know anything about this woman. I don't have any reason to think she's not actually a pediatrician or whatever. But I mean, of course, you can find anyone in any field with some kind of controversial idea and put a camera on them. And I mean, this is not the slam dunk that they think it is. I, I don't I don't understand. Right. And then I also don't know, there's a huge focus on biology and genetics. Like Bethel spends a lot of time on the Moral Revolution site as well, trying to like debunk sexual orientation and gender by using biology. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, so now you guys are scientists while Sean Foyt is out here not believing in coronavirus. Whole nother story. You know, I mean, People who aren't transgender also take hormones for various reasons. People have surgery to change their bodies for all kinds of reasons. I had one little boy, a patient we'll call Andy. Between the ages of three and five, he increasingly played with girls and stereotypical girl toys and started saying he was a girl. With family therapy, Andy got better. I just want to point out that playing with certain toys or wearing certain colors does not indicate that your child is transgender. Today, Andy's parents would be told something quite different. They would hear, this is who Andy really is. You must change his name, ensure that everyone treats him as a girl. We don't need testing. No, we need to arrest his physical development now or he'll commit suicide. This whole narrative that you can just walk into an office and the doctor is literally saying, congratulations, and let's sign you up for a surgery is just not happening. It is so much more detailed and intense. It, it requires psychological review. And there are laws in place to protect people, to make sure that it is that intensive and that care is put into a transition. It's clear that they're trying to minimize what the process is like you said they want to talk about all these facts but they won't actually talk about the facts of how this process actually works and and what it actually means to go through a transition yeah that's what i never understand when churches are making these arguments it's just like make it factual as soon as you are being an alarmist as soon as you're lying to people about the process of things and how reality works when people get out into the world and find out that you were dishonest, that you misinformed them, that you made them afraid of things that they don't have to fear, that are not based in reality, it makes you look like a liar. The anecdotal evidence she's trying to give of this one story that no one can verify, we don't know what other things might have been going on in this person's household. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Anecdotal evidence is not going to support her claim and we have tons of other you know empirical evidence you know that's peer-reviewed that shows the very real harm of not affirming people's sexuality or gender identity beautifully said Blair thank you I also just want to point out that I feel really bad for everyone in these stock images like especially this beautiful lesbian couple right here just like, uh, I don't think they consented to having their images used in an anti-LGBTQ church message. That's what happens when you sell your stock images, I guess. Um, I, there's this book, it's called uh, After the Ball, How America Will, uh, Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. It was the, uh, the gay 
strategy to, um, to just exactly what it says, to normalize a gay lifestyle. One of their goals was to, um, to begin to indoctrinate children, and I'll just read you part of it. The next generation enabled children to come out earlier and be better adjusted with less shame and less hatred. Wow, that sounds horrible. Less shame and less hatred. Also, too, I love that Chris Valentin is now acting like he found the Holy Grail. He found the gay agenda in a book. Congratulations, you found the thing that you guys have been conspiratorial about since day one. To talk about being well-adjusted and free from shame as if it's a bad thing. It's obvious that we're just on such different pages about what health and wholeness looks like. I mean, it just blows my mind. They cite that there's three major uh, resistances to the gay movement. The first one is the law. Their number two strategy is to, is to change the opinion of their neighbors. And they cite that the, the biggest resistance to the gay movement is the pulpit. I love how Chris is sharing this three-pronged, quote, strategy as, like, the gay agenda, which is to get equality, to have people understand each other and have compassion for their neighbor. And then the third one being they don't want to be hated from church pulpits. It's like reading the Bible upside down or something. I'm just like, this is not a strategic playbook by gay people that are out to get you. This is simply asking for equal rights, compassion, and to stop being hated from the pulpit, which is what is happening throughout this entire sermon. He's basically instructing his congregation to be very vocal against people who are just trying to live their lives like everyone else, who are just trying to have like a peaceful, happy life. The idea was to silence you, silence, silence you by calling you a bigot or homophobic. It's all part of their strategy on how they would silence the church. I don't know what else to call it other than homophobia. I mean, they are afraid of gay people living their own lives the way they want to. What, what else, what other word can we have for it? It's homophobic. This is what it is. It's, it, yeah. And the, other, the other part is, it, it, there's uh, four things I wrote down. Um, you should know that there is no scientific proof um, uh, there is, um, of course, there is no scientific proof for their convictions that homosexuality is genetic. I don't understand why homosexuality has to be genetic for the church to accept it. And the fact that Chris Ballatin thinks he's some kind of scientist, I mean, he's trying to find like all this scientific links for gay people and trans people. Like, what what is the actual point? I mean, what what would that do for you? Like, like you said, Brenda, I mean, what does that do for anybody? The gay gene? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, number four, the new fad of pansexual, fluid sexuality, bisexuality is proof positive in itself that sexuality is not biological condition, but a choice. In other words, if I say to you, I'm pansexual, which means I may be a boy today and a girl tomorrow, or I may be a man attracted to a man today and be a man attracted to a woman tomorrow. Help me understand that if my sexual preferences are fluid, then they can't be genetic. If you're going to degrade an entire group of people, at least know the terminology, understand what you're talking about. Also, how misleading is it that he is talking about a fad. He's talking about LGBTQ people being a fad, 
Chris Valentin, learn your history. It's just so obvious. He has no clue what he's talking about. He's confusing terms here. He doesn't know what it means to be pansexual. And, you know, part of me wants to think that he just doesn't understand because that's a better idea than him being intentionally manipulative to his congregation, which I, I hope that's not it. There's definitely a part of me that because of my conservative upbringing, I've had a hard time understanding what it means to be trans. I've had a really hard time with that, actually, you know, and just like trying to conceptualize it because it's not something I was ever exposed to in any kind of positive way. Um, and I got to a place where I just realized it, it doesn't matter if I understand all the ins and outs of someone's identity. I mean, why does it matter if I completely get who a person is? They're still that person, you know, and it's on me to figure it out. You're exactly right, Blair, that it is on us. And Blair, I do appreciate you just admitting that you've had a hard time grappling with it. I think I've had the most difficult time understanding the concept of non-binary that was really like making me knock my head against a wall and again I have to agree with you because it's like I took that up as my own responsibility it wasn't like oh I can't understand it so therefore it's invalid it was like oh well I have to do some deeper digging so I can get there on my own and without doing that due diligence just Having the audacity to stand on platform, again, misrepresent people, again, vilify and demonize people and who they are is just so unfair, so irresponsible. So, you know, when we, when we stand up and, and preach against things, it's pretty important that we remind ourselves that even in our presence, there are people who are struggling. And I'm talking to you clearly, gay kid. Who told? If you inter interact with any intelligent uh, homosexual activists, they will agree that there are many reasons why people embrace homosexuality or bisexuality, some other sexuality besides um, a normal sexuality. I just want to point out really quickly that the word normal sucks. I have removed it from my vocabulary, especially when it comes to sexuality, because that right there was astonishing to me to watch Chris say, these people are probably among us and they are not normal. Like, just saying that with such a lack of compassion just really blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's the othering. He's recognizing that there are probably people in that room. I mean, there there has to be people in that room who are gay, who are queer, who are trans even, you know, and he's labeling them as not normal. I mean, I can't think of anything less loving. So here comes the doozy about the Me Too movement, which is truly infuriating. And you'll notice that Chris actually hesitates a lot before saying this trash. I might be sorry I say this. Interesting to me, it's important. Well, let me see how I'm going to say this. Let's, let's do it the diplomatic way. The Bible says you reap what you, 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 reap what you sow. If you sow immorality... Don't be surprised if you create a culture of immorality that ultimately comes back to bite you. Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. It's interesting to me that actors and actresses, even porn stars, are coming out in the Me Too 
Nothing like hearing Bible verses, live by the sword, die by the sword, to literally victim blame people. I, I'm truly <laughs> trying to contain my disgust and anger at that. You are perverting the Bible, misusing that text to say, you dressed a certain way, you were in a certain industry, you found sexuality acceptable in a way that I don't find it acceptable, and therefore you deserve what came to you. That is what Chris just said. That's what I heard. Blair, what did you hear? I mean, I think this whole idea, you know, trying to make it seem like, oh, if you engage in certain activities in your life, then you just deserve whatever's whatever's coming to you, you know? I mean, I, I again, where is the love? Where's the compassion? I don't care if someone is standing naked on the street corner. They don't deserve to be assaulted because of that. It just, it's so upsetting to me. And his little laugh, <laughs> like that little condescending laugh, I'm like, you really think this is funny to talk about people's very vulnerable moments expressing their pain of their assault? You think it's funny to to laugh at that and to make light of that? I wonder if he was laughing or he was just profoundly uncomfortable because he knew he was saying the wrong thing. This is what blows my mind about the cognitive dissonance of being Christian, having the Holy Spirit inside of you, and then still trying to perpetuate these hateful, bigoted, victim-blaming ideals. When they come out of your mouth, when you say gay is a sin or it's the victim's fault, he must be feeling that uncomfortable pang. That's where I think that little laugh is probably coming from. Listen, I, I'm all for the protection of women, for the protection of children, but what I'm getting at is that you need to think bigger. If you're going to be a porn star and then you're going to complain that people come on to you, you know, just remember that you created that culture. I am continually furious that Christians don't acknowledge that sex workers can be too. Sex workers can be assaulted. Sex workers deserve to have the same rights and protections of the law that anyone else does. This is why so many sex workers are advocating for their work to be decriminalized because currently a sex worker cannot call the police and say that she has been assaulted. And if you are a Christian that thinks, oh, well, if you're a sex worker, you deserve it. First of all, you are not living like Jesus. Second of all, I would advise you to begin learning about sex workers, to begin hearing their stories, because trafficking is real, for example. Sometimes it is an autonomous choice to get into that industry, but sometimes there's a 15-year-old girl who's been arrested for soliciting sex, and we are not helping her. We are not considering her a victim of that because there's this stigma. Like, how often... They are murdered and discarded, and those cases are not investigated properly because we say it was just a sex worker. <sighs> it continually like breaks my heart and blows my mind. It, anytime you're stigmatizing sex in any form, th there's never any good outcomes to it. You know, it makes people who, like you said, our sex workers feel that if anything happens to them, it's their fault. It's that, you know, because of the societal messages about it, they internalize that victim blaming a lot of times, or they feel like they can't reach out to resources when they need help. Agreed. Oh, I'm really genuinely hated. <laughs> I hate this message. Jesus said, um, 
what does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? So here's the deal. It's like, if you feel like you had to sleep with that person so that you can get a job in the movies, you just said that, you're, that, you, that you care more about being a movie star than you do about being virtuous. Again, Chris, stop. Oh my gosh, stop. If you would have an ounce of compassion and actually listen to these women's stories in the Harvey Weinstein case, for example, there is a moment where a woman can feel powerless, like she has no say in a situation. And there's a whole story behind why these things happen. And for you to just simply believe, oh, these women banged someone for a role because they have no virtues and now they're complaining about it, that is not the story. You're not listening. As a pastor, I implore you to listen. He's making it seem like that everything was totally consensual. There was no considerations for power imbalances in these relationships. And again, another grave problem with purity culture, there is no lessons about enthusiastic consent. And that obviously is missing from Chris's frame of mind too. Yes, some of these women had quote, consensual sex in this very sticky, complicated, convoluted way, but that doesn't mean they actually wanted to be there. It doesn't mean they sold their soul for a movie role. That's just plain ignorant, truly. It's like if, you are, if, you're going to, if you're going to sleep with people in movies and you're going to be on the big screen and you're going to promote, you know, you're going to, you're going to promote immorality... And you realize that you're in movies that are promoting immorality, then why are you surprised that people proposition you in the movie you're making? The way he is going about this conversation without any consideration for the power imbalance that would exist between, you know, a boss, you know, a director, a Harvey Weinstein, and, you know, people who work for him, it's so dishonest of him to present it as if. It's just a completely consensual relationship. Being a man in purity culture and in such a high position within his church, I'm sure he doesn't know anything about what it feels like to be put in uncomfortable situations where where sex is expected of him. But yeah, I mean, it happens, and it, it's not it's not the consensual situation that he's painting it to be. It's like I went to the bar and I got in a fight. Well, if you hang around the bar, you hang around people who drink. And when people drink, they don't think normally. I've been in four fights in my life, and every one of them been in a bar. What does that tell you? If you're, if, you're, if you're a man or a woman, and you go to the bar to find someone to marry, don't be surprised if you find someone to marry who isn't virtuous. You found them at the bar. Watching him stumble around this, I'm just wondering if the audience is looking at him like, oh, stop talking. Seriously, I mean, you got to think like they have, you know, earpieces or something like, is anyone being like, please, tone it down. <laughs> like, like, honestly, I mean, I just can't imagine how uncomfortable it would have been to be in that room. Yeah, I'm so sorry for anyone that was in that room. I know we are trying to have like a more lighthearted response to this it's like you need to laugh so you don't cry and if you were in that space subjected to that message i am so so sorry there was no one to come there to your defense it's just awful i've never been to a bar and gotten in a fight 
Or try to find someone to marry. Uh, this is where he continues to get more and more convoluted because I'm just like, okay, now are you saying it's immoral to be at a bar? Are you trying to tell the Bethel congregation they can't go have a drink with some friends? And by the way, again, ignorant and weird to just assume that everyone at a bar is an immoral person that's there for like nefarious reasons. Like, <sighs> Live a little, meet some people, Chris, please. I'm begging you. The length of this sermon, like we already mentioned, I mean, he could very well be losing his train of thought. And that's why people shouldn't be preaching for this long. Yeah. He would have been any better. His behavior would have been any better in an hour-long sermon. But, I mean, he's obviously losing it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Listen, if you fish with shark bait, you're going to catch sharks. What are we clapping for? Whoops. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I love when he just destroys his iPad in water. Like, I just wonder if that was the Holy Spirit being like, stop. <laughs> like, that was probably your cue to stop, Chris. This part is truly delightful. The victim blaming continues. You know, if you're walking around like this, I just don't know why those men, you know. <laughs> Bill's taking a picture of me. In school ministry, I buttoned it all the way down. Blair? I mean, this brand of humor that he's going for, I just, it's so mocking. It's so making light of the very real problem of sexual assault of the Me Too movement. I mean, that's what it was all about. I mean, if Chris Ballatin knew all of the people in that congregation who have probably experienced assault, I mean, would he still do that? I don't know. I mean, he, he has to realize, right? Like, he has to realize there are people who have, who have been hurt sexually and assaulted in that congregation. I, I'm just trying to say, if you catch somebody with your butt and your boobs... I don't know how you're going to maintain them because all, all, someone, there's always someone with a better body. You know, if the way you live, if you live with the sword, you're going to die with the sword. If you live in immorality, don't be surprised that you become a victim of the very thing you're promoting. Well, this goes back to the purity culture, modesty culture narrative that you and I are working so hard to burn down exactly for this reason. It's that narrative in church of a woman is dressed a certain way and therefore she has what com what's coming to her. Don't be a stumbling block, aka make sure your straps are thick enough so this doesn't happen to you. All that little mocking thing did was show men, yeah, if she is behaving that way, Look what's coming to her. I've gotten messages from followers who talk about how they were assaulted by their, you know, Christian boyfriends when they were like 17, 18 years old. And they tried to talk to people in their church about it, you know, older women. And they were basically, you know, dismissed or asked you what part they played in their own assault. I mean, <laughs> and you just, you have to basically imagine that based on the way Chris is talking, that kind of thing is probably going on in Bethel too. That's why there is a Me Too hashtag and there's also a Church Too hashtag. It is from messages like this. My, my preaching's bad tonight. That's the one thing you've got right, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first 
first thing I've agreed with. <laughs> right? There are so many issues in society that are the results of a culture that we as a people created. And I propose that fruit came from a root. And you can cut the, the, the fruit off, but it's going to reappear because it's attached to something else. Okay, what blows my mind about this is that Chris doesn't realize he's talking about church. You are the root. You are the root of these problems. And the fact that you're not seeing that is really blowing my mind. And I hope you'll see it if you're watching this. I, when he was saying that, I was thinking in my head, like, yeah, absolutely. The culture you are creating in that room right there is gonna go out into that community and be the victim blaming transphobic homophobic you know culture that that is really destroying people's lives the reason i feel bad about my sexuality is because you christians keep preaching it's wrong and so i feel bad i feel guilty because you're shaming me but in john chapter 16 jesus said i'm going away and it's to your advantage that i go because when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the first thing he's going to do, he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So you can get rid of the church, but you won't get rid of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because conviction is coming from the inside out. And the reason why conviction's there is because Jesus loves you too much to leave you the way you are. <laughs> My computer blew up. So now his computer actually blew up, which is amazing. And also, I just want to point out that I completely agree with what he's saying, that the Holy Spirit convicts. And we in the progressive Christian space are trying to tell you that's absolutely true. And there's no conviction for LGBTQ people. You should feel convicted for shaming them. Homosexuality isn't wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong because it's inherently immoral. But how many know you don't have to have a Bible to know morality because it's written in your genetic code? I just like this full circle moment where he won't grant that homosexuality could be genetic, but now he's saying the Bible is written in your genetic code. And now, finally, this has culminated to this moment of profound bravery. If anyone knows who this person is, and if you would like to be interviewed for God is Gray, I would love to have you. I can only imagine the pain of sitting through this three-hour-long church service and finally, at the bitter end, after hearing all this degradation, all this bigotry, all this hatred of women and LGBTQ plus people, at last, this person finally breaks and says this. I want to finish with a, just a couple of... Homosexuality is not wrong. God says love everybody. Matthew 5. Jesus loves you! It's okay. God bless you, though. Yeah, and so we, we, that's a perfect example of that. Um, loving people is now acquainted with don't, don't, tell, don't tell them the truth. And I'd propose that Jesus loves us enough to tell us the truth. And so, Lord, we pray for this gentleman that we know he's among us because he, he loves us. And, Lord, we love him too. Lord, we pray that you would help him to see that they are deeply loved. Blair. I just feel like the ultimate, you know, way of trying to shut people down is to say that 
you know, we're just doing what the Lord says. We're just, you know, the Holy Spirit is working through us. That's just the ultimate way to try to stop a conversation, to try to thwart any kind of accountability. And the little, like, where he says, you know, God bless you, though. God bless you, though. That just reminds me of when a fundamental Christian is just, like, slamming someone in the comments. And then they're like, I'll pray for you. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, it, it was the same type of tone that he had going there. Like, God bless you, though. Like, like he's trying to be like look like the better person in the situation or whatever watching him stumble through and be so disorganized and go through all of these different cognitive hoops that make no sense that are not based in science or reality morality or theology I felt like you could see that shakiness on him the entire time. And I just have to wonder when this person bravely, courageously, as Chris prayed for in the beginning. That there would be, there would be a spirit of courage on people tonight. This was the moment of reckoning. It was devastating to watch the congregation support Chris and applaud Chris to kind of like boost him up again. And as Blair, you said in the beginning, is it just... The dwindling blood sugar and desperation to get the hell out of that room after a three-hour disaster. Seriously, I mean, I don't know what the feeling in the room would have been, but I just can't imagine, like, the heaviness for anyone who was sitting there as an LGBTQ person, as a trans person, as, you know, a woman or anyone who experienced assault or who loved someone who experienced assault, like, I just can't. I know. I feel like that has to be like everyone in the entire room. Literally everyone. But, you know, then there was the applause. So it's like. So thank you all so much. If you've made it to the end of this video or to this podcast, I know this was heavy. That's why, again, we tried to make it a little lighter and more um, digestible. But really, my intention coming with this was to call out this very recent message and the problems in it. And Blair, I specifically invited you to this conversation because you are in this work and you are tearing down purity culture along with me. So do you have any final thoughts? I want to emphasize that Chris Valentin isn't the end-all be-all, you know, and there's other pastors like him. They get up there and they use their position to hurt people. And you know, that's why, like, that's why I do what I do. That's why Brenda, you know, is so passionate about this as well. And I just hope that, you know, maybe if Chris is a reasonable person and he does come across this, someone sends it to him, that that he will take it on board, hopefully. Uh, just a call for compassion for others. And that's it. We love you all so much. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends, donate to my Patreon or Venmo if you can. Go follow Blair on Instagram at TalkPurityToMe. She is also on TikTok, killing it, at TalkPurityToMe. And that's it. God bless.